I'm Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com and host of the Top 100 Marketing Podcast, Business Growth Show. And today we've got the episode I was on recently. It's Fred Copestake's podcast called Selling Through Partnering Skills. I share why I believe that discovery is the most important part of the sales process. And I walk through a step-by-step of how to carry out effective sales discovery calls and get more deals over the line and earn the trust of your buyers. Fred asked me a bunch of questions around building trust, how to use partnering skills to get more deals done. So with that, let's jump straight into the episode. And welcome to this episode of the Selling Through Partnering Skills podcast, where I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Dunning. Sam is the sales director at WebChoice, but more importantly, he's a podcast host at the Business Growth Show. So pressure on me today to get this right, (laughs) because it's a really good podcast. Sam, welcome, mate. Hey, hey, Fred. Good to to be on, mate. Thanks for having me and, and look forward to jumping into an exciting podcast with yourself and take notes on what I'm like as a host (laughs) (laughs) make a note to yourself do not do what Fred did then it was rubbish (laughs) no so you know the structure of of, of this particular podcast what we do is we go through these elements of PQ and how people can apply those in sales or or perhaps more in business if you like I know that's what what you you focus on Um, particularly with your company's probably more involved in marketing than sales but but you have to sell and you've That's interviewed right. loads of folk that uh, are experts in this. And, and, and you have your own opinions. I, I've <laughs> been on the receiving end of a couple of those, which has been quite fun. <laughs> um, so let, let's start. Let's start with the PQ element of trust. And what are your thoughts on how people or salespeople in particular can build that and use that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So trust. Um so I suppose what comes to mind straight away when it comes to sales is I'm a big believer in that discovery is probably one of the most important parts of the sales process. So when it comes to trust, so building it is, is so important, right? So a lot of people say as a salesperson, you need to be liked. I used to think that then when I realized trust was about a hundred times more important, I stopped believing that. Um, like being liked is cool. Being trusted is way better. Um, you're not necessarily going to win a deal from someone that likes you. If they trust you with your their business that to fix their problems, to solve their issues, to make them more revenue, to save them more time, then they're more likely to do business with you. So when it comes to discovery, discovery is a big thing for me, mainly because I'm lazy and we get a lot of our leads inbound, whether that's through our own website, through our marketing, through our SEO, through our paid ads, through LinkedIn. We're fortunate <laughs> that I don't have to sweat my ass off cold calling anymore. So I get to run a lot of discovery calls most days with prospects. Um, so one of the best ways that I've found to build trust pretty fast is using an upfront contract. So essentially when you're speaking to a prospect, not making them feel like you're hundred percent able to help them, because in truth, many people that you speak to, whether they're an inbound lead, an outbound lead, whatever, you're not always going to have the solution. Your, your product, your service isn't always going to be the best fit, right? So in my case, just being perfectly clear that, look, Hey, John, I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting you today. I want to ask you some questions about kind of the, the problems that you've mentioned or the service you need. And I'm sure you can have some questions for us too. But at any stage, if you feel that the solution or what I'm talking about isn't a great fit, are you okay to tell me so? And they'll always say yes, no problem. And likewise, John, if, if I feel anywhere along the way, the journey that I'm not the best fit or my solution's not the best fit for you, do you mind if, if I say, look, I don't think I'm the best match, 
but I'll try and point you to a trusted partner that I know that can probably help you out. How does that sound? Um, and then you can usually say, yes, great. And then you say, look, if, if neither of us kind of say any reason why we can't do business, is it okay if we spend a couple minutes at the end of today's half hour, 40 minute call discussing what might be a relevant next step? And the amount of people that after this call, in fact, someone I did a deal with yesterday literally said, Sam, you're the only one who kind of took the time to explain that you might not be the best fit. And after we kind of went through everything in detail, we realized we were. So I really appreciate, appreciate the transparency rather than just trying to ram a product down my neck. I, I absolutely love that. It's really cool. And, and what I like so much about it is you said, well, it works. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It, take, the, take the hassle off of trying to make best friends forever with people. Actually, you probably will like you because of the result of, uh, because of the way that you've done that, but certainly the trust element and how you get the, the conversation running. It's just really cool. Really good. I, 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 oh, that's taking us straight into the next part because you, you, you're already talking win-win. You're already saying, this is what we're looking for. There's got to be mutual benefit in, in this. So using that as your launch pad and going into your discovery mode, talk to me a little bit more about you know, how you're doing that and how that is looking for this win-win outcome. Yeah. So do you mean in terms of kind of the questions we ask or... Yeah, I mean, how, how, how would that typically go? Because it sounds like you, you've really got this, this, this sales call or discovery part of the sales call nailed down. We, we want to know my, more about this. <laughs> it is my favorite part of the sales process because, I mean, typically with what we're doing, we have a detailed discovery call, decide if we're a good fit. And if we are, we might do a presentation or we might do a paid audit or we might, might do some kind of proposal, whatever that next step is, depending. As with all of us, each project, each solution is going to be a bit different. But usually we want to know, once we've kind of agreed, agreed those um, terms on the upfront contract um, side of things, then we'd, we'd really, one of my favorite questions, depending on the type of lead is kind of what's, first of all, what's actually prompted you to reach out to us? Like, for example, why didn't you go with, if you know other companies in your sector, why didn't you reach out to X or why didn't you reach out to Y company? And then they might just say, look, because I saw you on LinkedIn or you, you called me or I saw your ad. And then if it was an inbound lead, then I'll always say, well, that's great. I see ads pop up all the time. What was it specifically about our offer that prompted you to take the time to give us a call or fill out our inquiry form? And then they'll give you a bit more detail. So in our case, they might say, look, I really like some of your work or I really like this review. And it just gives you a little golden nugget that might come up um, as use later in the sales process, perhaps when you're doing your pitch or your demo, whatever it may be. Um, and then... There's a bunch of things that you need to kind of cover when you're doing discovery. So of course you need to kind of say, look, what is, what talk about kind of why have you reached out to us today or why are we having this conversation? Take the time to learn about their business. If it is a product or service that you're offering, you want to dive into deep, deep about learning how their business operates, kind of the product or service they're offering and things like the average order values around that. So you can understand even if your product or service is going to make sense for them and even taking the time to understand profit margins, if they are doing that kind of stuff. Um, and then a crucial thing is understanding the trigger event. So once you've understand, took the time to understand what they do, how they do it, um, what you want to ask why they want to do that now. So look, John, what's, what's made you want to, do this now why not three months ago why not six months in the future why do we have to have this conversation now and that's quite a useful point so you can actually scale the urgency of their need because some people might just say oh i was just considering my options 
Um, I was just thinking about this and that should usually send alarm bells because you can see that there's no real urgency. Whereas if they say, look, let's say you're offering some kind of SaaS software as a service solution, maybe you're offering like a CRM product, whatever. And they just say, look, our, our CM is really frustrating because we have to manually transport um, everything from Gmail for every new contact that comes in. Or maybe they say, look, our head of CRM's just left us in the lurch and we're really stuck. And that's great. Then you can just start digging, right? One of the best parts about discovery is just digging deeper. Is then you can ask things like, well, why is that an issue? And they might say, well, we're, we're five grand down because our sales team are having to spend days kind of manually inputting all this data. And you go, why is that an issue? Well, we're, we're 10K already below our target for the month. And if we do this again for three months, then our chief revenue officer is going to be on my back. And then basically a big part of discovery is to keep digging until you get to the, the biggest part of the problem. So working out that, what we call a trigger event of why they need to do it. Now, understanding the importance of why they have to do it and kind of going along the process if you've kind of determined this is something you can help them out with understanding things like their timeline when do they want to get the rest solution in place um understanding things like who's actually involved in the process so if you've gone through all these steps and you've kind of realized there's some kind of fit you realize they've got a sensible timeline um you've taken the time to understand things like budget so have they actually got the money in place to do business with you and a lot of people say you shouldn't bring up money on the first call, but I completely disagree. Um, ultimately, if they don't have the cash to do business with you, you're wasting their time and yours. Um, so once you've kind of nailed down a few points and bits and pieces about their problem um, and their issues, etc., you can do that. And what I should have added is one of my favorite questions to ask before you get to budget, which I have missed, is really good if you're offering kind of a solution that kind of drive results over time look where do we need to get to in say 12 months time for you to say working with sam working with web choice was an excellent move this is a question that i stole from benjamin Dennehy. works a treat because then you get people to actually visualize the future and if they if they've got a clear answer like look we want to get to x amount of revenue or i want to get to a position where i can hire two more staff then you can see they're serious about it whereas if they are not too sure and they can't really give you anything. That's a little bit, again, alarm bells because they've not really thought about where their urgency for the solution. They can't really see the, the brighter green future in 12 months. So that, that question can really give you some good intel. And once you've nailed all these points, you can say, look, based against fixing problem X, getting to this timeline, solving these issues, what have you allocated as a budget towards it? Um, if they say, look, I haven't even thought about a budget when I believe you really should bring up budget now. So in, in my case, I might say, look, typically prospects with these kind of issues spend between X and Y. Can you see yourself falling within that? Or is that way off the mark? If they say it's way off the mark, then you can say, well, <laughs> we should probably end this conversation now, right? Whereas if they say they might battle against you and they might convince you to kind of do business with them, great. Whereas they might say, yeah, that, that kind of works. Then you can carry on the conversation and probably wrap up depending on how long your discovery call is um, just by finding out who else is involved in the project. So as well as yourself, John, who else do we need on the next call or who do we need to get involved in our second discovery call or our presentation call or our proposal call, depending on the, the, the sales process. So those are just a few points that I tend to bring up in discovery. I appreciate that everyone's product or service is going to be slightly different depending on what you do and how transactional or how long a sales cycle you've got. Mate, masterclass in consultative selling.
really cool uh, that, that's great and i can hear how you enjoy that so much i i, I love that piece I mean, maybe it's just because i'm a nosy git and i love asking those questions and i like finding out about other people but the, the mind boggles really that sometimes some people are so desperate to talk about themselves and what they do and all their products and all their services. They miss out on having all this fun, which is understanding about somebody else. Pretty sad, actually, I think. Mm. Mm. It, I mean, on, on those initial calls, unless it's unless they've got perhaps it, unless they're perhaps at the lower end of our scale in terms of budget. And it, I can see that they can be try, quite a transactional sale. Then I might start talking about product at the end of the discovery call maybe i think that we can do do business with them quite fast and maybe they're ready to move fast they've got us they need something quite simple then i might otherwise unless they really push me for it i'll just save it for the next call and just spend yeah. that time really understanding what they need if we can help them how we can fix their problem kind of how they're fitted on their end who their decision makers are budget etc and then we can save the rest for our next whether that's an audit or a demo call or whatever it may be and then you can talk far more about yourself Funnily mm. enough. And then this is advice I give to salespeople. It's like, don't try and cram everything in. Deliberately spend longer talking about them, knowing that you're not going to talk about yourself. Just make that little rule and say, this is excellent. I actually got quite a lot that either I need to go away and think about, even if you don't, pretend you do. Or I want to do a really good job. Just let me prep some stuff. Or we need a little bit longer just so I can explain exactly how we can do this for you. Let's set up another, another discussion. So it makes you discover stuff better if you haven't got the discipline. But you probably have to have the discipline not to carry on asking stuff because you're finding out more and more and talking about people's businesses. And I mean, I know you generally are interested in people and business and the rest of it. It's why you do a podcast, isn't it? But uh... I, I guess one of the best words, which I put on, I think there was a, a post on old Dan, Daniel Disney's page, The Daily Sales, that just said, I think it said something about you need to be energetic to be a great salesperson, something like that um i i was just saying trust is more important actually no what i said was the post was you need to be well trusted but i said yeah that's a good point but you also need to be curious you need to be genuinely curious as to kind of why why they've agreed to have a conversation with you as a salesperson if they're even qualified to do business with you if their problem warrants your solution and then if they've got budget if they've got timelines they've got decision making power to do it if you're not that curious then you're not necessarily sometimes you will going to get all the intel you need to actually get the deal over the line later in the process so having that curiosity is is really important in my opinion i think funny enough i was doing a i was doing a podcast this morning i was i was guest on uh one from my old school and i was asking mm. you know, some advice to a school leaver i thought oh my god i can't think about that far um but i went for it. be curious because it covers all bases doesn't it it's just for a salesperson 100 percent now, I suspect a lot of people leaving school don't want to go into sales, but just be curious, just be interested in people, interested in things, you know, you'll do so well. And I sort of said that as a school leader, and then I caught myself and said, actually, no, that's just good advice anyway <laughs> for anybody, any age, you know, it doesn't, yep. it doesn't matter. Agree. Um, cool. So let's move on and think about this, the, another element of, of PQ, development partnering skills, because you talked about, you know, some, some of you, your deals might be fairly transactional. But it sounds like others are quite involved. And, and so this is where this kind of concept of interdependence comes into play. So that your success is going to be dictated by their success and vice versa, actually. So how can people, again, be more aware of that and kind of use that quite deliberately in the way that they approach sales? In terms of 
kind of your success being their success? Yeah, your success is their success. Yeah. So w- when we start to embark on a relationship, you know, we, we are going to start to be kind of linked in together in that, you know, if it goes well, it's going to go well for all of us. And it, it can't be. It's, it's to do with the win-win, but it's kind of even more so we've got to be aware of that interdependence. Good point. Okay. So I guess pinning it back to sales rather than account management in terms of kind of when you win the deal and then perhaps working together as some reps might be kind of A's account execs and might do some account management. I guess in terms of that kind of thing, which is going to be more again in line with kind of deals with longer sales cycles is agreeing deliverables. So a lot of deals in my past, especially have kind of fallen through because myself and the prospective customer hasn't really agreed on saying, look, we need to, we need to agree that we'll have maybe the project plan by this date. We'll have a timeline in place by this date. And the timeline is going to be, look, we get sign off from maybe the account manager, your financial director by this date. We agree that we're going to start implementation by this date. So this means we need to get the contract signed by this date. And your, your, I don't know, your um, in-house tech team need to be ready to assist us by this date. So I guess mutual agreements are really really strong um and i'm guilty of this all the time i forget to ask things like why a timeline's important or who else do we need to kind of get involved in this so i guess getting that kind of mutual action action plan is really good because then you can bring it up when it comes to closing out your demo or your presentation or whatever your kind of final step is in your sales process you can say look when on or earlier calls we agreed that we need to have this this timeline in place and we need to have this person ready for implementation and we need to have delivery ready by this date otherwise this is going to fall flat because of this so if you've got all those bits and pieces of the timeline that you've both agreed on and then you can bring that up during your pitch your presentation your demo then they're going to think well this is fully thought through and yes i've already agreed to this so yeah they're right i need to crack on with this because we've kind of mutually agreed the, the deadlines and why they're important I'm a big fan of mutual action plans. Though I've got to jump in and I've just got to correct the language here because if Tom Williams is listening, he will tell me off. Yeah, (laughs) he'll be after us. You know, outcome enablement plans is what we should be calling these, apparently. Okay. And I can't really argue with him, actually, because it it does what it says in the tin. You know, what are we saying? Well, what's the deliver? What is the outcome that you're looking for? We're looking for this. Okay, for that to happen, we've got to do this, 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 and this. That is what's going to enable it. And this is the plan. So I get it. We should be calling them outcome enablement plans. The practical means I don't care what people call them. (laughs) (laughs) I do them though, because they make a massive difference. And from the customer point of view, again, I can trust you better because it looks though, you know, you're building your credibility. I feel more comfortable. I feel safer. There's a, you know, I think we're missing a big trick if we're not using these whenever we possibly can, to be honest. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Oh yeah. So outcome enablement plans so I remember that one a, yeah. he's, he's on a mission Tom, Tom's great but he's on a mission so yeah get, get him on your podcast get him on your podcast Why not? Talk, and, and start calling them mutual action plans <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah, like just <laughs> and they'll go you've been talking to Fred um, <laughs> okay so I think you used this word earlier which was transparency um, and that's how I now refer to one of the elements of, of PQ now originally Steve Dent when he put this stuff together he talked about self-disclosure and feedback so giving a bit of information about yourself, but also giving feedback to the customer. Uh, so we could define transparency in different ways, but, but I, I, I like that because it sits with that original element of PQ. So again, how can we do that? Why should we be doing that? Yeah, 
in terms of being transparent with, with prospects, with customers? Yeah, transparent customers. But I mean, again, I don't mind if you're talking, I mean, you, you, it sounds like you think about pure sales and account management, all those different things. I lump all of this stuff together because gotcha. a lot of the guys that would listen to this are probably full cycle. They'll be looking after the customer you know, soup to nuts, if you like. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Just thinking generically. Yeah, I suppose there's a few angles to kind of being transparent is one, we, we could bring it back to discovery just to say, look, um, really on in the sales process, making sure that your customers clear or your prospective customers clear rather that you're not always going to be the best fit. So laying those cards on the table early doors helps with building trust, helps with building transparency. Um, in terms of later on in the sales process, I guess not cutting yourself short. So I've certainly made the, the path, the mistakes of kind of getting deals over the line just to kind of hit targets and get cash in the bank as it were and get a bigger commission check just so the customer might, for example, during the pitch say, look, can you sharpen your pencil on the price or can you do the timeline in half the time or can you add X, Y, Z features and just saying yes, yes, yes to close the deal. Then you tell your sales manager or you tell your implementation team, like, what the bloody hell have you done? <laughs> like, we're literally cutting our nose to spite our face. Um, so rather than, rather than just trying to do there and the deal there and then, you might say, well, look, well, this is a, this is a new request. Give me some time. Give me a couple hours. I'm going to go back to the team. I'm going to have a chat through with them and then I'll come back to you. Let's, let's perhaps book a call later this afternoon rather than just trying to get the deal down there and then because I've done that many times. Um, and people will respect, if you, respect you for, for being open with them. Um, rather than it's trying funny to how that's changed. Now your role has changed. <laughs> <laughs> now I co-own a company. I can't really get away with that. No, no but yeah. it's, in some ways you could get worse at it. Because you, you could be always looking at the numbers and it's like, yeah, yeah we'll do that, we'll do that. That's true. You know, That's true. Um, Anthony Calduris talks about future sell. Don't future sell. And when mm. he said that, I went, no, no, of course you want to talk about the future. That's what the whole point of selling. But what when you hear him talk about it, he means is, like you say, can you do this? Yeah, of course we can. Do that. Oh, yeah, yeah it does all that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we could put that in. Development will sort that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they looked at it and go, what have you just sold there? That's just a complete new product. Yeah, well, yeah. do you want the business or not? Well, no, not like that. We don't. <laughs> we don't make any money on it. I used to be terrible at it. Honestly, I, I've I've spoken on many podcasts. One of my first oh, websites. I was hoping sales. you were going to tell me this story. Do you, oh, you do know it. <laughs> Please tell me again. I love it. I can listen to it all day. Literally, when when I first started selling websites, selling digital marketing, literally the, I think it was probably the second day I got past a, a lead, took it, took the call, gave gave the chap a, a phone call, and um, obviously took took down a bit of his requirements. Was shaking probably at the time because it was my first ever sales course so I was nervous as anything and after some time he he basically explained that he wanted a website that was pretty much the equivalent of LinkedIn so you know your, your small standard website nothing too big and <laughs> I took down all the requirements took down the features and this that and the other that he needed and um, he said look I've, I've only got a budget of 500 pounds is that okay and I was just saying yes to everything because I didn't have a clue. So my, my reaction was just to say, yep, that's absolutely fine. Ended up selling this deal, being the, f the first ever call I ever made, but probably undersold the, the platform by about several million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, we, we never had to deliver it because I think he understood that I was just, at the time, didn't have a clue what I was doing. And luckily, we managed to palm him off with a couple smaller smaller projects. So never had to deal with the, the law, law firms and the, the court <laughs> but uh got away with one there but that was about 10 years ago now that's so cool it's, it's so funny you think i know i've heard you talk about it before but you think about it guys it's quite it's quite funny but it, it, people do do things like that yeah 
Okay, what about feedback to customers? So the way I often see this is that sometimes we've got to, you know, we, we get involved and you've been involved in bigger projects and you're, you're working with a lot of customers long term and you've agreed to do certain things and, and they're going to have to do some stuff for mm -hmm. it to work. You're doing your stuff. Yeah. They don't yeah. keep up their, their side of the bargain or they're not doing their work that is needed for this to, to achieve. Giving feedback to them and saying, hey, look, you know, you're, you're not doing what you said you would do. You can't expect these results if you're not doing this. Yeah. How about doing that? Because I know some salespeople find that really difficult. It's, oh, you can't say that to the customer. Oh, yeah. What's certainly your thinking when, around that? Certainly when I, again, I, when I first started in sales, I thought you had to be kind of fully polite to customers, which is no reason why you shouldn't be polite. But you've also got to get to the point and people will respect you for, for doing that. Well, most will. And if they don't, then are they really someone you want to be doing business with for the long term? Um, so yeah setting i suppose if you're going to be doing an ongoing project and if you especially if you're going to be account managing it or project managing it then you need to bring it back to agree agree clear deliverables with your customer i.e we're going to have we're going to have a discussion around progress like every month on this date and by this time you need to make sure you give me this so in our case we might say that we need xyz piece of content for this seo project we're doing for them um, and if we don't, then we're going to see a drop off in results because this is a, a major part of the monthly milestone we need. So they need to understand what they need to deliver, why they need to deliver it and the implications if they don't. Um, so then when it gets to halfway through the month, and this could apply to anything, um, you, you've got to say, look, well, we haven't made the progress that we, we wanted to because you haven't held up your side of the bargain. And if they're reasonable, they're going to say, well, look, we'll try and get to you as soon as possible. Our apologies. We'll make sure that we'll kind of fix it up next time. But I think just just being clear in your communication really um, is important and just just setting setting things down so the customer knows what's expected of them. And likewise, they know what you're going to be doing on your end. So both deliverables are, are fairly clear ongoing. And if things are going to change, let them know in advance. Um, whether that's kind of timelines creeping over or whatever it may be, the earlier you can let them know, then the, the softer the blow will be. Yeah. There's a theme. There's a theme coming out here, mate, which is about upfront, you know, pre-framing things, you know, from the outset, the very first conversation you have to, we're starting this project. These are things we're going to need to do. We've been dead clear about it. We're not trying to hide stuff. Just yeah. being obvious about it. And then again, it is. It, it comes across, it's just very honest and it's just kind of, yeah, that, that works. And why would somebody not want to work like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So let's have a think about change then. So that's, again, another element of PQ is this comfort with change. Now, salespeople, we, we, we sell change. <laughs> We're change agents. So, again, what is, what's your thinking around that? How, how do you manage that and understand change? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think if you bring it back to a sales conversation, then it's it's important in the sense that, no, people, people aren't going to go with your product or service if they don't think that it's going to add value to them in terms of transitioning from where they are now to where they want to get to in, in the future. So, yeah, being able to, I guess, paint the picture. Um, so what we often do is, I suppose, if, if I can give people actionable tips, is to make sure that everything you note down in discovery in terms of where people actually want to get to in, say, 12 months down the line, is you've, you've got a clear note of that. So if you do, if you are in the business of running demos, presentation, pitches, whatever, you've got a clear note of that. You've customized your proposal, your demo, your pitch deck you're offering to be relevant to where they want to get to in terms of your product. So you, when you're running through 
a recap of their goals. And then when you're running through the, the customized selection of how your specific offer can help them, you're saying, look, this feature is going to be really good because you said you wanted to be able to, I don't know, let's bring it to a CRM. You said you wanted to be able to run reports in, in just a minute and you wanted to be able to see your sales predictions and sales uh, forecasts um, all in one clear dashboard. So this tackles that issue. It also means you're not going to have to send each individual sales rep because they're all linked in to their Gmail accounts. Um, and you can feature that because you said that was really important because you're wasting a lot of time with manual entry and manual reports and all that's good stuff. So if you can tie tie that in, and show how you're making change. I guess that's always one of the most impactful ways of doing it. Yeah, so tie it back and show show why you're doing it, how it's impacting it. It's kind of what, what you wanted. That's why we're doing that. Yeah. And, and, and just respecting that people do, we, we find change difficult. But if you're kind of almost sweetening it and saying, but this is why, this is where we're going to go and have this kind of, this, you know, towards uh, motivation, hopefully that'll help them somewhat in the, the uncomfortable bit of, yeah, we're going to go through this, this icky period. Yeah, but look at what it's going to be like. Yeah, and another, I mean, one of my one of my favorite things when you're doing, I know I'm talking a lot about presentations, but that's because I run quite a lot. So Sandler, I love Sandler training, and they did a really good, I can't remember what it was called, but it's something like how to run a sales presentation. And throughout each step of your presentation, because again, if you're doing a sales presentation, you want to do an upfront contract at the start, i.e. saying, look, do you still have 30 minutes? Do we have everyone we agreed need to be involved in the presentation? We're going to run through your goals. We're going to run through our recommended solution. We're going to run through timeframes, deliverables, commercials. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you if it makes sense to move forward. Or if you feel at any stage it doesn't make sense, let me know. You can part with these friends. Um, so where am I getting to? <laughs> I forgot where I, what was my what were we talking about before? We're just talking about change and how we're trying to make it by setting out what the future is going to be. Yeah, um, a way of helping That's manage it. change and being dead clear. So as you go through, but, each but you've stage, given us a really good way of introducing your presentation, mate. But yeah, like do that. that. that we can but just use that little clip. Happy just day. use that upfront contract <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, my point is, hopefully, each section of your plan, your pitch, your demo is kind of showing how you're going to make bring the change that they want to the table with your offering. Um, so as you're going through each part, and as you cross off, let's say a recap of their goals, you ask them. Do you believe that this is going to help you um, or are you comfortable that this is going to attack X, Y, Z, or this is going to attack this issue or how this is going to help you? If they say yes, great. Are you comfortable 100%? If they say anything less than 100%, you say, well, what do you need to see exactly to, to feel 100% comfortable? And then they're going to walk you through exactly the, what they want to see. And if you can get buy-in at each stage, and then you might recap their solution, you might show them your software if you can get that 100% buy in each stage, you know they're probably going to say yes, agree to move forward. Whereas if they don't, you've got the chance at each segment of your off, of your pitch to walk through what they need to see. Basically, it's a long winded way of saying it. No, no, no. But you gave context behind it, which is what we prefer. It's a longer form podcast, mate. We're okay. We're good. We're good. Um, no, and, and okay, it does lead us into that last the last the last section of PQ, which is about having this future orientation, and that's what you've been talking about almost all the way through it's like sort of having the upfront contract as in this is where we're going to go even in that last little section you say look that's what we're trying to achieve that's where we're going so you know thinking on a bigger picture having this future orientation how can salespeople benefit from bringing that into the you know, into into play yeah 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 it's, i guess there's a lot of there's a lot of ways i could go with that um and i suppose one of the biggest things is again 
I'm just talking from my mistakes is thinking that every, not every deal is a good deal. So what I mean by that is just because marketing have passed you a lead or just because you've generated lead from cold calling, wherever it's come from, doesn't mean it's going to be a sell. So thinking bigger picture, um, because most of the time, if you sell a bad deal, i.e. you cut it too short in terms of budget or you try and over deliver, it's going to come and bite you back in the ass. Trust me, I've yeah. been there many times. So thinking more, is this going to be a good deal because our product's a good fit, because they've got problems we've solved, they've got a realistic time frame, they've got a realistic budget. They've also got the ability to bring in the decision makers, the other people in the organization that makes sense to be involved in the process thinking bigger picture in terms of that because that's going to serve you a lot better because the chances are if all those are a tick then yes they're probably going to do business with you and be a good customer longer term um so yeah thinking thinking about that from future sense is is always good that's probably one of my biggest biggest pointers okay no and a very very good one again really good and the beauty is your these are genuine because you'll say i've been there seen it done it or been there seen it not done it not fun being there yeah. seeing it and doing it now much more fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> life's a lot happier when we're doing this stuff right definitely yeah. learn from my mistakes learn the hard jobs and hopefully people listen to this and, and aren't going to some won't believe you they'll go on to do it and they go yeah but someone's right <laughs> um, i'm sure i'm sure but uh, no they're really cool um i've got another question for you actually bit bit different bit bit off script um we're allowed to travel now right so you and I, we're going to go and we're going to get on a plane and yep. we're going to go somewhere to do some good. I don't even have to be through sales or marketing or business world. We could do some good genuinely in a part of the world yeah, with, that, with our own fair hands. Should we get our hands dirty? Hmm. Where should we go and why? Should we go to Asia? Should we go to Africa? Or should we go to Latin America? I think I would probably choose Africa. Mainly okay. because it's, it's probably from a helpful and a selfish Point. is this just a general question as in just a general question no, yeah, just, yeah. Just, yeah you'll see what i'm asking to say i think yeah i think i'd pick there um in the sense that i'd love like to do some like if i could take a, a month or so out go with the the missus and and if we could bring the little one along and do some do some charity work help some people put up, put together houses whether that was maybe some communication work in the schools or whatever good we could do i think that'd be an awesome experience and at the same time we we love traveling anyway so it'd be awesome to go over there and see sites and if you can do some good at the same time that that'd be pretty epic cool well we can't do that quite yet but what i am going to do is to say thank you for giving your time and sharing such a sort of stories with us uh, I'm, I'm part of B1G1. I'm a member of that, which is Business for Good, which is a really cool way for having impact in part of the world um, or different parts of the world based on the sustainable development goals, the UN sustainable development goals. Um, so I will, on our behalf, on your behalf, our, my behalf, put a uh, put, put donation in to do some kind of good with a, with a, with a project over in Africa. Um, and I'll look to see if on their website they've got something about house building. And maybe we'll get over there at some stage and I'll be able to do it our own fair hands. Awesome, man. We'll send, yeah, send me a link. I'll do a donation too. Oh, cool. I'll send you B1G1. It's, it's a really valuable thing. Cool, man. So, mate, thank you so much. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Because you've very subtly, actually it wasn't even subtle at all, <laughs> talked about no some of the good stuff that you can do. And I know you do good stuff and you do deliver results. And just having a discovery call with you would be great. <laughs> um how can people get in touch with you? Um, where can we find you? 
Yeah, and unfortunately, I can only relate myself stories back to myself, really, or other people I've stolen tips from on the on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, if you're probably not, you're probably just looking for sales tips. But if you are in a, perhaps you run a business, perhaps you're involved in marketing a business, or perhaps you support your marketing team, and perhaps you're feeling frustrated that your website is is failing to generate a steady flow of sales leads, or every time you search your product on service or on Google, you're nowhere to be seen. You always see your competitors ahead of you. So if you're getting any of those problems with your Google rankings or your website failing to produce results, give us a shout. It's webchoiceuk.com, and we'd love to chat to you. Otherwise, if you want to check out my podcast after you've checked out Fred's, it's a business growth show, and we get business leaders on, and I also do solo podcasts, and we basically provide actionable tips across marketing and sales to grow your business it's business growth show yeah we'll, we'll pop a couple of links in the in the note we'll put a link is it episode 98 99 something like I, that. i think i just missed out on did you i was gutted <laughs> um, uh, no we, we'll, we'll put your thing no you, you do do a load of good stuff and the joking part is good i think about 50 percent of those are pretty much sales podcasts anyway yeah, um, yeah and yeah. a salesperson to have an idea of marketing and that other stuff that's going on does no harm whatsoever. Yeah. Agree. And Completely even agree. learning how to deliver a nice little pitch like that when put on the spot, like you just did. Cause that was really cool, mate. You know, um, practice. I know it was because that's how it works better when you know what you're going to say when you're given an opportunity to do it like that. So look, you're, you're teaching us right to the very end. Really appreciate that. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com.